All right, Alex. No, look at you. Look how long it's been that we've known each other. It's been like, is it seven years already? Actually, it's been probably eight years. Eight years now? Yeah, because I met you when I was a, a, a freshman in high school. Right, right. And there's a, oh boy, there's a lot to get to with that because... If you're saying it has been eight years, then, wow, there's eight years worth of stuff for us to talk about. So, I mean, you mentioned your name is Alex No, and I right off the bat, I just want to say, have you given any more thought to when you're leading a band or whatever is going to happen, you're going to go by the name Alex No and the Yes Men? I have never thought of that, no. <laughs> Haven't I said that to you before? I've not, never made that suggestion. Maybe. It's hard to keep track of... All the different puns I've heard about my name over the years. <laughs> uh, but is that one of the better ones, maybe? Maybe marginally more clever. Marginally. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, last time I saw you, you came over to pick up some accordions from me. That was the last time. Why did you need that accordion? I was music directing a production of Cabaret at Oberlin College, and we needed a uh, an accordion for one of the characters to play. And somehow... Out of everyone at that school, an entire conservatory of musicians, no one had an accordion available. So I had to go home to my high school friend, Thomas Butcher, who owned, I think, multiple accordions. I had two. More, yeah. <laughs> two more accordions in all of Oberlin College. And Oberlin, just to recap, it's a big music school, Huge right? music school, yeah. Um, mostly classical. Um, there is some jazz. But I guess some of the more eclectic instruments, like accordion, just they had no reason to have those in their inventory. So wow, that that blows my mind. I love hearing that too because I mean you can find an accordion on Craigslist for like a yeah. hundred bucks if you really wanted to. I know. Uh so the accordion itself was in the show. It was in the show. And who who played the accordion? Um, it was uh, Fraulein Coast. Um, Abigail Chang was the actress's name. Um, it's. It uh, played at the end of Act One of Cabaret. If you don't know the show, it um, takes place in Nazi Germany in the 1930s, and it's um, played by um, a Nazi sympathizer um, who uses it to sing this big um, Nazi anthem, essentially. <laughs> wow. And did they have to learn the accordion for the first they time? They did, yes. Yeah. And it was very weird me teaching them because I don't really play the accordion. Right. But luckily the song was essentially three chords just in different keys. So okay. they got like the hang of it, but they had to play it and sing at the same time. Oh, wow. So they they weren't just there to accompany someone else. They no, were they the were character. Singing. Yeah. They were. Wow. Is that how the show typically goes? Um. It depends. I, I don't know um, about the original production, but I know that in the 1998 Broadway revival, they had a lot more actor musicians, people who are doing both things. In this case, it was literally the character who was playing the accordion, but they also had numerous actors who would sometimes, you know, be on stage as a part, but then they'd go to like essentially the pit orchestra or the band and take up a saxophone or a clarinet or something. It kind of giving that more of a authentic feel to like a real cabaret where I think people will be doing a lot more um, like multiple roles. Right. You know, I've never seen the show Cabaret, yeah. so I'm, I'm still kind of on the outside yeah. for that. There's a lot of musicals I haven't seen, so but the ones I have, I do really enjoy. Mm -hmm. But I think it's worth mentioning that when you brought the accordion back after you had finished using it for that production, 
I started playing it more myself, and it's really interesting to see how much uh, music theory is involved with the accordion because if anyone's not familiar with it, the left side of the accordion, if you're a right-handed mm-hmm. player, I suppose, is the buttons, and the buttons are all in fifths. And that's basically a huge part of music theory, am I right? Yeah, definitely. Um, circle of fifths is yeah very much like the basis of um, a lot of like just everything with like Western music theory. Yeah, it's 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 tricky to get the hang of it after a while, especially if you're familiar with your traditional scales and yeah. whole steps and half steps and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's weird to jump around like that. We met each other in high school, as mm-hmm. we were saying. I was a junior and you were a freshman, so you were fairly new to the game. We were both involved in that year's musical. Do you remember what it was? Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. That's one of my favorites, I have to say. It is my favorite to this it day. It is your favorite? Yes. Wow, really? Yes. I mean, part of it is that sentimental thing of being the first musical I was involved with. The other thing is that I think it really holds up as just a very well-written musical. Um it is very um, bare bones. There's no extraneous material in there. It is the plot of the show with, yeah, nothing unnecessary whatsoever. Um, and it runs, I think, like an hour, 45 minutes, which in the realm of musicals, which run over two hours, very much so, I think is a very big achievement. I do love Little Shop. I love the the uniqueness of it. It's got that, of course, that blend of horror to it. Yeah. But it's not like it's still very comical in that sense. Yeah. It's extremely eclectic, but at like its core, it's a very traditional musical comedy. Protagonist wants something, protagonist tries to get it, and then they either succeed or they don't, you know. It's very traditional in that sense, underneath the guise of this weird sci-fi, you know, um, Singing plant. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all, it was one of the first musicals I think I saw when I was a kid. So I was psyched when mm-hmm. that, I think that's why I joined my junior year. That was yeah. the reason is because they were doing Little Shop. So yeah. I'm glad it worked out and we ended up meeting each other that way. And I, I know we might have gotten off on the wrong foot. I don't know if you remember because uh, I didn't want to sing in the key. I was playing the dentist and you were the piano player. Yes. Uh, uh, I didn't want to sing in the key that you had been practicing in. And this was like our first interaction. I saw, yeah, it was um, the original cue's A flat, and you were d- doing it in F major. <laughs> well, I mean, I couldn't hit those notes sure, for sure. the time, but uh, we got over that, and we've had many conversations about music and musicals over that time. One time, so much so, I don't know if you remember this, that I missed my cue during rehearsal, and it all fell apart, and everyone blamed me, even though you were the one distracting me. Oh no! But we got over that too. So. This was a rehearsal. You were yeah for you can't take it with you. Oh yeah, we were. You that had a keyboard sense. down in the dressing room. Oh yeah, or I remember you that were on now. Stage for that show. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least it was not a show. Yes, yes. But the point is, you've always seemed to be very keen on getting serious about writing music, and I know you've had ideas from musicals before, and not too long ago, you were able to put something together. So tell me about this thing titled Retold. Sure. So a couple of years ago, I had this idea for a musical um, about a narrator who is tired of telling stories. And I just noticed in a lot of shows, even in like Little Shop of Horrors, you have like these three narrator characters, the three um, doo-wop girls. And I always thought, I always felt bad for them because they're always, you know, just supporting 
the other characters' stories, but I was wondering, you know, do they have any ambitions themselves? What do they do when the main characters aren't on stage? And I thought that'd be an interesting idea for a musical. So I came with this idea called Retold, which was a fairy tale show about yeah, a narrator who wants to have her own story and eventually decides to put herself into the story and go on her own adventure. I love that. It's like breaking the fourth wall almost. It is. Um, and acknowledging that the narrator is like an own, her own sentient like person, but also I try to avoid too much of like breaking the fourth wall besides that. Right. I can tell you that from a filmmaker's standpoint yeah. that character is huge in any storytelling. Yeah. And I love that you took that approach where you were not thinking about some broader, huge story you wanted to tell, but it came back to that point, well, what does this person want? Exactly. So I think what we should do at this point is we should listen to one of the songs, because how many songs did you write for this? Um, Probably around 18. You wrote 18 original songs? Well, maybe like... 14 original songs and a couple of reprises, but... Okay. Yeah, about. I think that's a astounding feat. So, which one... I know you have a couple that are here online. Uh, which is, is there one you'd prefer to play? Um, Maybe... How about we do Changes? Changes. And is what is Changes? What is that place in the music? Okay, world? so this takes place early in Act 2. And basically what's happening is that um, the narrator um, has met this prince character who is on this journey to rescue a princess and he's just you know doing exactly what society expects of him. I'm a prince, gotta rescue this princess from a tower, marry her, that's my life. Over the course of act one, she's trying to convince him that there's more to life than just doing what's expected of you. And he realizes that what he really wants is to be a hero and that's also what she wants. But he still feels this sort of obligation to do what his parents expect of him, what society expects of him. And at this point in the show, he's gotten to go on these adventures with the narrator and form this bond with her, but he is at this breaking point where he's trying to figure out, am I going to keep doing this, going on adventures with her, or am I going to go back and rescue this princess? And this is the narrator explaining to him what he should do. Let's go ahead and take a listen. This is Changes from Retold by Alex Snow. And I know it's from the changes 
I can be so bold I have a role to fill There's legacies I must uphold If I don't do so, then who will? It's not the life that I desire It's just the life I've known But don't my people still require A prince upon the throne? finish a musical song i'd say that was quite the build alex <laughs> thank you thank you how long did it take to write that song um a couple weeks um which is more um a testament towards uh deadlines than any kind of um <laughs> and are you writing multiple songs simultaneously um sometimes with this one i was like more or less near the end of the writing process for the song so this is one of the last ones I had to finish, so I got to focus on this one mostly. Wow. And is that one of your favorites, would you say? It is, yeah. Um, one of the interesting things about writing this show is that I wrote it over the course of two years. So um, over that, that two-year period, I learned so much more about how chords can work, about how lyrics can be written, melodies. So my writing style got a little bit more complex over those years. and. Um, yeah, I feel very proud of this. It, I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of it, um, both lyrics and the music. So, And I know some people listening, they might say, wow, two years, that's a long time. But isn't that kind of relatively short as far as musicals go? Yeah, especially um, if you include um, things like revision. A lot of musicals that go to Broadway 
will start off in a workshop period um, for a couple of years where they're just, you know, trying to figure out what is this story about? What is this story going to sound like? It'll get revised a couple of times. It'll, you know, play out of town in a city besides, you know, New York. Then it might go to off probably and maybe then eventually Broadway even. And that can take anywhere from like, you know, five to seven years sometimes. That's a roller coaster. That's crazy. Are you up for that? Do you think? Definitely. Yeah. And the thing about writing the show, like I felt that I wrote it like relatively fast and there's so many things I would, you know, change about the show at this point. So I would love the chance to do parts of it or even the whole thing again. So how many people did you have to audition for all these parts? Like what, what did that look like behind the scenes? Yeah. So we had a cast of 11, um, and we auditioned, you know, a fair amount of people for those roles. We had a pit orchestra of um, about 10 people, including me. And so was that you playing piano in there? It was, okay. yes. And I was rehearsing with the cast probably five days a week and rehearsing with the pit probably the other two generally. And in between all those things, I was um, writing the show, revising the show, orchestrating the show, and doing everything else in between. See, I'm curious because when you're going about your day, mm-hmm. how many musical things just pop into your head? Like how often does this happen and how often do you write this down and be like, oh, maybe this is something good for later? Like what's your process look like and all that? Um, for writing songs? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the main thing you always start with is what is this song about? And if you can figure out what needs to happen in the song, like in the song changes, I knew I had to have this struggle with this prince wanting one thing, um, but feeling obligated to do another. So by the end of the song, he has to change his mind. That's a problem that needs to be solved. And it's like writing a mini play within your play with a start, um, middle and end. And, you know, you come up with the structure of it and how the dramatic structure is going to fit in like the song structure with what's happening in the verse, the chorus. You figure out, um, hopefully a title for the song that can kind of act as your song's thesis. Like again, like what is a song about in like one, one sentence, one word. And for that song, it was changes. And then you figure out, um, the right musical style that will fit this. And, um, for this song, um, I kind of wanted this to have, um, a bit more of a contemporary feel because it is about, you know, doing something new and changing your mind. And, um, then you, um, come up with how the lyrics are going to fit into that. You come up with a rhyme scheme and how um, you're going to say everything you want to, but with the right number of syllables on each line, there, everything rhymes here and there, and it all makes sense. And it's just a lot of puzzle. Um, it's, like, it's like doing a puzzle. And when you're writing so many songs throughout the course of the story, how hard is it to not keep rhyming the same words over and over again? Um... It, it can be a struggle sometimes, but for me, I love rhyme. Rhyme is one of the things that really got me into musical theater in particular because they have some really interesting rhymes and don't just always rhyme day with way or me with be. Um, but with musical theater, you can be very specific because they're very specific circumstances. So for example, um, I had a song about um, these bandits that were... Um, attacking our main characters and they had a little song to sing. So I got to rhyme with things like um, 
pillage with village or loot you with recruit you. Oh. Which like in a normal pop song, you would never have the chance to rhyme pillage or loot, you know? <laughs> so you're always trying to come with like something unique that can only happen in that song or is specific to that song. Here's something that I want to see if you can answer. Okay. Are you ready for this? Sure. Does the music write the musical or does the musical write the songs? Um, I would always say that the musical should write the songs. It should be everything is in service of the story. The music, the lyrics, and the book. And by book, I mean the script, the dialogue. All three of those things are in service of the story. And I think that a lot of... There are a lot of um, musicals out there with um, really good scores, but poor stories. And I think the reason why is sometimes because the story is more in service of the music than the other way around. Does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I'm really happy to hear that explanation. I, I, I mean, you have a way of putting that together, and it makes me think of it in a new way. Uh, so what are, I know we talked about Little Shop and our love for yeah. it, but do you have any other musicals that are big inspirations for you? Yeah, um, I first of all, anything by Alan Menken and also Howard Ashman, his um, lyricist partner, is huge for me. For those that don't know, they um, wrote not only Little Shop of Horrors, but also um, the first couple movies of the Disney Renaissance, um, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, um, and Alan Menken went on to write more after that. And they're just so inspirational for me in terms of um, how they fit songs into a story. Um, Alan Menken's ability to use a variety of styles in his music and Ashman's um, clever wordplay, um, creative rhymes, but always staying true to the, um, to the character and the story at heart. Now, I know you have the idea of servicing a story, but what kind of stories really interest you? The stories that interest me are really character-driven stories. Um, musicals are such a heightened form of expression, and they're all about character. Um, for someone to be singing on stage, it has to be from a character perspective rather than a plot perspective, you know, which is why some things work better as musicals than other things. Um, mysteries don't really work well as musicals, generally speaking, because figuring out who did it usually isn't, it's more of a plot question than a character question. Um, action pieces don't work as well as musicals for, for musicals because, um, well, there's, I'm sure there's always some character behind everything. Um, musicals are good at character and not good at, you know, elaborate action sequences or things like that. Um, so yeah, anything character driven um, with someone who wants something and has a reason to sing. So what do you think of pop musicals? Um, like jukebox musicals? Yeah. Um, they're not my cup of tea. Um, I think that they can always be enjoyable if they're, you know, if they're um, done well for what they're trying to be. But it's very hard to um, take pre-existing songs and fit them into a story. It's hard to even write songs for a story. You'll usually go through, you know, multiple versions of a song before you get to the one that actually works for that story. So to take existing songs and write a story around them usually is varying levels of successful, but never as strong as if you were just to write a new score yourself. You've obviously given a lot of thought into this. You spent your four years at Oberlin and you're like, this is what it's going to be like, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> so what else did you do at Oberlin during all this time? Sure. So I was, um, I, I pretty much music, music directed a show every semester. So what that means is that um, for any musical, I was playing piano for the rehearsals, um, coaching the actors through their songs, helping them with vocal technique, um, helping them learn their notes, rehearsing the orchestra, conducting the orchestra, overseeing everything musical with that. That was the main thing. Um, I also was taking various classes on music. So I took um, music theory classes, learned about um, classical composition. I learned about um, jazz composition. Um, I took a class in orchestration. And I more or less just tried to get as diverse a musical education as I could. So those two things. Yeah, that sounds like you covered a lot of bases right there. Yeah, I think for for musical theater, you really have to be well-versed in as many things as possible. Um, going into college, I didn't know much about classical music. I didn't know much about jazz. So it was a nice way for me to familiarize myself with other genres without being dedicated to one completely. Now, being involved in a school like this for the four years that you put in, mm -hmm. what varying level of talents are going on at this place? Yeah, I think that like Oberlin had like a wide array of talent in a lot of different areas. Um, and it's not really, I think, about different levels of talent, but just different areas of talent, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, I've worked with classical musicians who are, are amazing at what they do, um, have a, you know amazing technique, can play almost anything you show them. But I've also worked with classical musicians who are all those things, but just weren't familiar with other playing conventions like playing in a swing field, and that like really threw them, or um, yeah, just unfamiliar unfamiliarity with other genres. I've also worked with jazz musicians who are super talented at improvisation and um, playing by ear, but maybe aren't the best readers. So I think like in any community, they're going to have people who are great at some things and um, other things are just not their specialty. Um, and that's true for me too. You know, we all have strengths and weaknesses, but I think being at Oberlin was a nice chance to get to know people of many different strengths and see how you can learn from the strengths that they do have. See, I draw a lot of parallels from that to filmmaking because yeah. I always try to tell people you should be aware of all the different aspects that go into mm -hmm. it and just in media in general because the more that you know, the more that you can take from all those different areas and apply it to the other areas and become better at what you do. And I hear exactly that in what you were saying about all those different styles of music. And I'm glad that you have that perspective of trying to expose yourself to as many different things as you can. Yeah. And that goes not only with, um, with genres of music, but even other areas of, you know, uh, theater making. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, I've learned a little bit about, um, you know, how actors work, how directors work, just very marginal, but, um, learning a bit about those things has helped, um, as a writer too. um, learning, for example, that, um, if there's this huge dance break, um, or not a dance break, but there's, if the choreographer wants this huge, um, dancing section to happen while the actors are also singing, 
if it's too much for them to do singing and dancing at the same time, something has to give. And learning like the constraints of other mediums that are part of this art form is very helpful as a music director too. Now I'm having flashbacks to when you wrote an original composition yeah. in high school and I was playing the saxophone for you. Yes, I was thinking about the other day. <laughs> you had me go to the the lowest note the alto saxophone could go to. Yeah, <laughs> which I didn't, I think I knew at the time I had looked it up the range of the alto saxophone, but um, I didn't know that that was a difficult thing to do. Right. I mean, it's generally for any instrument, the lowest of the lows yeah. and the highest of the highest can be challenging. Yeah. I probably should have written that for the tenor saxophone. <laughs> do you have a tenor saxophone? I do, but it's not as good as the Okay, the alto. well, that's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. But, yeah, that's funny. It's funny how you learn over time. You look Definitely. back on it's it. It's always a learning experience. Yeah. That's the way you have to look at it. So you finished college and now you are teaching lessons and that is plural, correct? It is, yes. Um, I'm teaching a couple lessons at Anderson Music where I also work and um, it's it's very fun. I'm teaching a piano lessons with some kids and it's really interesting trying to take everything you've learned, you know, over however many years about music and try to get down to like the bare essentials of like, what is meter, what are notes, and trying to teach that to, to students. So, And how old are these students? Um, one is about nine and one is 12. Okay. Yeah. How are you doing with the children? <laughs> Do you have much experience as of uh, prior to this? Um, you know, I view music directing as teaching. Um, for any show I've worked on, I'm always trying to teach um, the actors I'm working with things about how do you rehearse something? How do you sing with good technique? How do you learn something? How do you memorize something? So I do have experience with teaching. Um, last year, I worked at a kid's summer camp for musical theater, and I worked with them a lot, and um, I learned so many things at that camp from uh, how do you maintain a young child's attention when they have a very short attention span, um, things of that nature, and also just like, how do you explain, you know, difficult musical concepts to someone who is just starting out? So I have taken all that with me um, and I try to bring that into everything I do. But um, this is a bit of a new experience for me, teaching piano to these kids. So you're teaching piano now, but you're also offering vocal music yeah. theory and songwriting. Yeah, I'm offering a lot of different lessons. I know that maybe not every nine-year-old is dying to get music theory lessons, <laughs> but... um. Oh. But I hope we can change that because music theory is a very, um, very interesting uh, academic subject. And to me, music theory is just learning how songs are written and also how to write songs. So I hope that we can, if, if any students are interested in taking lessons with me, I hope that we can change the stigma that music theory is just boring rules about mm -hmm. um, classical music because it's not that. So how complicated would you say it actually is? Like, how long does it take you to fully grasp that concept? Um, music theory? Yeah. Um, it can take years. Um, I mean, <laughs> people people study this, people get PhDs in music theory, you know. Um, but I think for whatever you're going for, you can figure out a way to get the bare essentials of that. If you want to write pop songs, just listen to your favorite pop songs and figure out what chords are being used, how is this melody being written, how is the melody be, being written over these chords, um, and find the things about music that 
um, that are relevant to you. I know that for me, it seems endless the way that different chords can be used, the way that different um, melodies can be written and um, rhythms and genres, you know, mixed together. So I'm always trying to learn new musical techniques for my own songwriting. So how do you feel when, because there is a stigma about these four chord songs, and I think someone did a uh, a medley right. of med- many songs. Awesome. Yes, and yeah. it was all they all had the same four chord structure, and there's a stigma saying, "Oh, it's just another one of those songs. They all sound the same. They all have the same chord structure." What's your position on that? So, a couple things about that. One, people will often make the dismissive comment that, like, "Oh yeah, all pop songs use the same four chords," but um, I was actually briefly reading um, a music theory article by um, some researcher who had done like actual research, collected data on this, and really only about maybe like I think 10% of pop songs use these this chord progression, which in the grand scheme of things is not like nearly as pervasive as like people act, it, act about it, you know, being like every single song uses this. Um, there's still so much diversity in pop music. Um, in terms of songs that actually do use this common chord progression, um, a couple of things about that. One, every genre has certain um, go-to uh, tropes of that style. You know, there are certain chord progressions using classical music over and over again. Jazz is always about a, a two-five-one progression. So every yeah, every style has some sort of thing going on that is used a lot, and that's not a bad thing. I think what's important is if you do something that is maybe a little cliched with your choosing like a chord progression that everyone knows, what do you do around it that makes it interesting? And I think a lot of pop songs, even if the harmony maybe is a little straightforward, they have really interesting production value, orchestration, um, melody sometimes, lyrics, and song is so much more than just their chords. So how many great songwriters do you think are out there utilizing music theory to a decent extent. All of them. You think all of them? Yeah, maybe not actively. Um, they might not be aware that they're using it, but they're, everything you're right, everything you write is drawing even subconsciously from how music works. You know, you can speak a language without ever learning the grammar of that language. So everyone is using it. Um, I think that if you do decide to actually learn um, music theory, that does improve your writing, just like how learning rules about grammar or syntax or even just um, general writing tips for um, writing prose can improve your writing in, uh, in English as well. See, this brings up an interesting point because I am something of a songwriter myself. I haven't yeah. written a musical, but I have yeah, fiddled around with stuff in the past. Yeah. So it just feels like music theory, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. Sure, please. Music theory just seems like a very left-brained oriented thing where it's very analytical on how things work, and you're trying to meld that with the right brain where you're trying to be creative and expressive and create art. So... I've always been nervous to learn too much about music theory because I'm afraid that that'll suppress the creative side too much. You know, there's so much to be said about this. I think that, you know, there's that hackneyed saying that 
Um, you can't break the rules until you learn them. Um, and there, there are no rules in music theory. It's just uh, more, I think, a cause and effect. I can use this chord progression, it will sound this way. I can use this melody and it will sound this way. It will have this effect. I think that's all it is. There are no hard and fast rules of what you can or can't do. Um, and I think, you know, that's true across all mediums. Is that? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we could do a whole series, just me and you <laughs> just talking about all this stuff. Go on forever and ever. Man, we're going to start to wrap up because believe it or not, it's been almost 40 minutes here. Mm. So I want you to tell me before we go, because I want to check in on you later on, yeah. probably. Uh, what are your goals for the foreseeable future? Sure. So right now I'm trying to just be active in the Michigan music and theater scene, doing as much as I can, uh, playing piano, um, working with vocalists, teaching lessons, getting to know um, the local community. I'm also trying to keep writing and revising songs that I've written. Um, I am hoping at some point in the next couple of years to be applying for the BMI Musical Theater Writing Workshop in New York, um, which would be a dream come true for me. For those that don't know, it's this um, two-year program. It's not a college course or anything, but it's a two-year workshop writing program in New York that um, has featured a lot of great songwriters who've come through that program, including um, Alan Menken, Maury Yeston, um, Aaron's and Flaherty. So if I could attend that, that would be like a dream come true. I think if anyone could, as far as people I know, I think you'd be Thank pretty, you. a good fit for something Thank you. like that. So I'm really rooting for you. And as you know, if I have to remind you, uh, if you need any video assistance, putting that to uh, any music that you write, whether it be live or mm -hmm. pre-recorded music videos, that kind of thing. If that fits with what you have mm -hmm. in mind, I'm here for you, Alex. You know how to get a hold of me. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I'm glad we had a chance to catch up. It's been quite some time since we had a, a deep dive in music discussions. Mm -hmm. uh, I look forward to seeing you and what you're going to accomplish in all of your life. Thank you, Thomas. Likewise.